When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. This is a My Talk Dirt Alert. Well, hello, Holly. Well, hello. Hello, ladies. Happy Wednesday. Yes, thank we're, you. We're over the hump of the hump, and we've got a lot of dirt to talk about this afternoon. Let's start with one of the big stories that's happening in the world of entertainment. This is from actress Charisma Carpenter alleged, alleging Joss Whedon, the creator of shows like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel, and the director of Justice League, that he abused his power on numerous occasions while she was on the show Buffy the Vampire Slayer and also Angel. So she made a lengthy statement. She posted it on Twitter today, and she alleges that Joss Whedon's casually cruel behavior included threatening to fire her, calling her fat when she was four months pregnant, asking her if she was going to keep her baby, and Uh, firing her after she gave birth. Oh, my God. Well, have we heard other people? Has Joss Whedon had some other stories? Because I feel like there's been other people. Like, was it Ray Fisher? Yes. So Ray Fisher was a cast a member of the Justice League movie, and uh, he uh, was his allegations were a whole subject of an investigation by Warner Brothers last year. And Charisma Carpenter is actually saying that she was influenced by Ray to come forward with her allegations because she participated in that investigation, and she decided to come forward after Ray Fisher went public that he was no longer going to appear as his Justice League character Cyborg in the upcoming movie The Flash because of Joss. Oh, yeah. Because of Joss. Now, I will say that over the years, there have been rumblings to like straight out allegations of Joss Whedon's nasty behavior Mm -hmm. towards all sorts of people. But Charisma being very blunt with her accusations against Joss Whedon. And she says in the wake of her experience finally leaving Angel, she said she felt powerless and alone, especially as the primary breadwinner for her family and she said unfortunately all this was happening during one of the most wonderful times in new motherhood charisma also writes all that promise and joy sucked right out and joss was the vampire Mm. alluding to you know buffy yeah and they never find uh, any fault with people who are toxic and and hostile and bullies because it's not against the law Mm -hmm. to be a workplace bully right right yeah. So, you know, uh, coming public with this now, interestingly enough, a statement from the star of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Sarah Michelle Geller, she's made a public statement about Charisma's accusations against Joss Whedon today. She says, while I'm proud to have my name associated with Buffy Summers, I don't want to be forever associated with the name Joss Whedon. Mm-hmm. She goes on to say, that she's more focused on raising her family and surviving a pandemic, but she adds, I stand with all survivors of abuse and I'm proud of them for speaking out. All right. Good. So that's what Sarah Michelle Geller has to say. Well, good on for all her. Of that. Yeah, yeah. Standing up there. Uh, moving on. 
Just in case you missed it, you know, we mentioned this uh, headline at the top of the five o'clock hour breaking news. Larry Flint, publisher of such magazines as Hustler, has passed away at the age of 78 today due to heart failure. His story is incredible. I mean, you could watch the movie The People versus uh, Larry Flint and, and, and get into it. But he has really an incredible life story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was shot. Right. He's in a wheelchair. Right. Larry Flint was shot in 1978 in a murder attempt by a serial killer, Joseph Paul Franklin. The shooting left Larry Flint paralyzed from the waist down. He was in a wheelchair and then uh, dealing with m- the fallout of that medical issues for most of his life after that. So really, truly a legendary uh, name in the world of mm-hmm. adult entertainment. Yeah. Uh, passed away today at 78. Let's talk about the Oscars. Oh, yeah. Award season. It's happening as we speak. And the Academy Award is planning for multiple scenarios for their annual telecast. Now, we're getting some fr- uh, first details about what the Oscars are going to be doing when they're happening in April. And they're telling Variety that the Oscars are going to have an in-person show. And not just from the Dolby Theater in Los Angeles, but from multiple locations Maybe around the world. What? Yeah. Okay. Stunned into silence. I know. Well, <laughs> I, just, I guess. I mean, it's April twenty fifth. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. That's that's. I think what they have to do. Yeah. So here's what they have to say about that. They said of their new strategy that it's been an, a unique year, and that they want to create the in person show that their global audience wants to see while adapting to the requirements of the pandemic, the ceremony broadcasting live from multiple locations, including the Dolby Theater. And we look forward to sharing more details soon. Which means they're still figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, so. the the Globes are going by Coastal. Yeah. Tina Fey in the Rainbow Room in right. New York and Amy I'm Puller sure they're going to figure it out because with the Emmys, they did it all over. You know, Well, they had the host. The host almost, in L.A., but, yeah. but everything people, else was all over. Yeah, everyone was in it's their It's the way it has place. to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you guys looking forward to the Golden Globes yes. with Tina Fey? Anything. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Can't wait. <laughs> New live TV. Yeah. Don't care about the winners or anything. I just care about the entertainment. Them. <laughs> And maybe some fashion. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, because the Oscars, you know, it is the still the most watched entertainment event on television, topping the Emmys, the Golden Globes, the Grammys by big margins. And last year's telecast was an all-time low of 23 million viewers, but it's still the second highest rated annual television event behind the Super Bowl. So it's a big darn deal. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is some sad news coming from actress Linda Carter. She shared the news that her husband, Robert A. Altman, has passed away at the age of 73. She calls him the love of my life. They were married for 37 years, had two children together. And she made this announcement on Instagram, and she said, of her late husband, you're the most honorable person that I've ever had the privilege to know. I got to be your wife and the mother of your children. Thank you for giving me all the love in my life. That's Aww. sad. Yeah, they got married in 1984. They had two kids together, Jessica and James. So she's uh, sharing that with all of us today. Right. Um, South by Southwest is still is going to be happening. The film festival, you know, last year really didn't really happen that much. But we do have some music documentaries to look forward to. Some of them include a new documentary about Tom Petty. Mm. So this is called Tom Petty, Somewhere You Feel Free. It features 16 millimeter footage archived of Tom Petty working on his album Wildflowers, which a lot of people really liked. Do you guys remember that one? Yes. 
Yeah. Great album. So that's going to be happening. We're getting a new Demi Lovato documentary. It's called Dancing with the Devil that had already been announced before. And uh, Charlie XCX uh, and uh, Demi Lovato, it's about their work together. So, you know, we're getting some little nugs of stuff that's yeah. happening. So, you know, it's... Well, I think Sundance, wasn't it Sundance in January? Did they say they had more people view the movies than ever before or something? Yeah, you're because right, Because it's all Julia. virtual, and they said that, you know, people actually saw the movies. <laughs> yeah. You know, because Sundance is more party. Oh, mm-hmm. totally. Sundance is just about, if not more. Next year, it's going to be party. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, well, this year we'll watch the films. Well, yeah, that's true. And, you know, it's it's fun in that way because... There are ways to interact with this kind of content, for lack of a better word. For us, hanging out in Minneapolis, we can't get to Park City during the Sundance Film Festival. But if you still want to be a part of the conversation, here's the way to do it. So that's kind of fun. Yeah, that is. Uh, Tyra Banks is moving to Malibu. She just purchased an oceanfront home for $4.7 million. Ooh, Tyra. No, go, go, girl. The Dancing with the Stars money. Exactly. So this is a 4,000 square foot house built in 1982, has floor to ceiling glass windows staring out at the Pacific Ocean. So I'm sure, you know, all the the dresses and the the Chrysler building pads on the hips and all that obviously paying off for Tyra Banks today. Yeah. So good. She's not going anywhere next year for Dancing with the Stars. Oh my gosh. No, she's not mm-hmm. going to go anywhere. And finally, um, Wendy Williams, we talked about this in another Dirt Alert update, but she is putting out a casting call for a new boyfriend. So if you're 40 to 65 in the United States and possibly single, it doesn't really seem to be a criteria. Maybe you too can be Wendy Williams' next boyfriend. Wendy Williams, The Bachelorette. Oh, Six that... weeks program coming this okay, summer. Okay, that just sounds awful. <laughs> that sounds awful. Yeah, but you know you're going to watch it. I will. I know. Oh, come on. <laughs> Thanks, Ollie. You're... And then there was a scandal. Vintage scandal. It was quite the scandal. Okay, all you producers out there, you might yes. have a story to tell because uh, a CBS news producer, Ira Rosen, has retired from the business and he has written a book that there's going to be more and more excerpts coming out. It's called Ticking Clock Behind the Scenes at 60 Minutes. And he joined, um, he worked... Uh, The book is out next week, and he wrote this memoir about his career at 60 Minutes, and then he also worked at ABC's 2020 in Primetime Live. Okay. And he, I mean, for him, he writes in the book, I'd rather work with a talented a-hole than a nice person without talent. And luckily for me, the TV news business is stacked with talented a-holes. Right. So when he joined... But you know, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Because you do want talent. Absolutely. And it was 1980 and he was 26. And he uh, joined 60 Minutes and he... um, Mike Wallace, of course, was a journalism legend. He was 62 at the time. He was known for his hard-hitting exposés and tough interviews that had... You know, people's held feet were held to the fire and the CBS ad department even made Mike Wallace's reputation a slogan. The four most feared words in the English language, Mike Wallace is here. Mm -hmm. 
And Ira (laughs) Rosen writes, unfortunately, that also applied to those working with him as well. And um, he said on his first day at work, his first assignment, he was they were doing a report investigating violence in Los Angeles. It's 1980. And he was a junior producer. He'd spent weeks sweet talking a federal investigator into agreeing to appear on camera with Mike Wallace. And while Wallace was flying from New York to L.A., the source bailed out, and the senior producer broke the bad news as he drove drove Mike Wallace into town from LAX with Rosen in the back seat. Mike went crazy, Rosen writes, grabbing fistful of documents from the senior producer's briefcase and hurling them into his face as they were trying to keep the car (laughs) on the road. Wallace cursed... uh, um, Alan uh, Mayanaris, who was the senior producer, told him he was a failure as a producer. He would be demoted as soon as we re- returned to New York. It was the most astonishing verbal abuse I had ever witnessed. And that really set the blueprint for the next 40 years, he writes. Mm-hmm. And he said he was a master at interviewing and showmanship. He was great at investigative uh, journalism, but okay. he was just, it was a constant barrage of invective, belittlement, and in public and private, Wallace seemed to define his life by how much trouble he could cause. He delighted in loud, loudly quizzing Ira about his sex life when the two of them were out at the office. He was n- notorious for saying crude things to women and slapping them on their bottoms, and uh, when one feel female producer, you know, reacted with a furious response to him. He's just like, what the hell is her problem? He said out loud to everybody. And um, when Wallace left the airwaves in 2008, a string of CBS news correspondents and executives, including Charlie Rose, Les Moonves, 60 Minutes boss, Jeff Fager, have all been out, you know, booted over allegations of sexual Misconduct and Mike Wallace also ran. He he on the regular poach stories from Ed Bradley and Morley Safer. Okay, that would just piss me. Mike off. would send his producers out to steal a source or a character who was key to a story, and then he'd quickly film it before the other correspondent found out. Morley Safer was would be he got the most upset. Months would go by in which Morley Safer would not talk to Mike Wallace even though their offices were right next door to each other. right, And picking fights with your colleagues, Mike Wallace once told Ira Rosen, gets your blood moving. It makes you feel alive. And although he was extreme, Ira writes, the industry is so full of divas and head cases who make life miserable for their crews. He called Diane Sawyer, who is... uh, I watched that her whole interview. You can see it on YouTube with Britney Spears. Uh-huh. It's even worse than just than the what tidbit we you. see in it. But he called her Two Face, and he he said she was very famous for her behind the back insults. He writes in his book Ticking Clock, behind the scenes at sixty minutes. If if Diane Sawyer was overly friendly and began to kiss you on the cheek to say hello, chances are. She was trashing you behind your back. She would be all smiles when she ran into Barbara Walters in the ABC hallways, chuckling over rumors that uh, she and Barbara were at odds and dropping the act the minute Barbara Walters was out of range. One time inside an elevator, Diane Sawyer looked at me and said, 
I hate that woman about Barbara. Really? Don't believe a word she says. She nice me any chance she gets. She had the look of someone who wanted to get um, vengeance. And in 1998, when ABC execs made Diane Sawyer and Barbara Walters co-acres right. of a Sunday night show, there's their... They hated each other so much that the forced collaboration was a nightmare for everyone working on the show. They fought over who greeted the TV audience, who said goodnight. After much negotiation, Barbara Walters was given welcome duties, and Sawyer had the responsibility for the sign-off. But no one could stop Walters from adding a final goodnight um, the minute Barbara or Diane Sawyer bid the audience goodbye, giving her the last word every week and every week in Raging Diane Sawyer. They even (laughs) counted the number of words each had introducing the stories. It was a total... Diane Sawyer and Barbara Walters is who we're talking about. Total disaster. He also writes that um, uh, Chris Cuomo, and of course Cuomo hosts his show on CNN. But he used to be at ABC. Yes, and he was um, asked if he would... um, mentor him in investigative journalism, Chris Cuomo. He said, I reluctantly agreed. Chris Cuomo greeted me with, I understand you're my new biatch. And Rosen writes, he lost me at hello. That son of a B Cuomo. I thought he's going to go far in this business. Katie Couric, he writes about. Why is he doing this book? Just because? It's 40 years and he's got a million stories. And people think about the, the, the guy who wrote about the ladies at The View. Oh, yeah, O'Brien I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, people do like these. Well, tell-alls, but so he must have got a lot of money. Uh, possibly, mm-hmm. but uh, he said to Katie Couric, Couric, he worked with her during her short and unhappy 60 oh. Minutes stint. 60 Here, Minutes or CBS 60 News? 60 Minutes. Okay. He said... Um, he writes, lazy and disengaged and thought she was smarter than all of us who worked on the show, and she certainly wasn't. In 2008, at the height of Hillary Clinton's presidential primary ballot battle with Barack Obama, 60 Minutes scored a coup. Both candidates agreed to let 60 Minutes show behind the scenes of their campaign. Okay. To fill twin, they would do twin seg- segments that would run in the same sixty-minute sure. show. Couric was assigned the Hillary Clinton interview, uh-huh. but while producers wanted to challenge the former first lady with weighty questions, Couric was determined to go with her trademark perkiness. She tossed Rosen's script and went for the fluff. And Rosen was just steaming because sure. this is all you know. They have all these yeah. questions already arranged right. and everything. And she just asked fluffy questions of Hillary Clinton. He said the interview went downhill from there. I kept thinking on the sidelines, they pay Katie $15 million a year for this? Oh. And then just going back to a a Mike Wallace story, in 1997, his son Chris Wallace was doing a story on the comedian Chris Rock. And his father derailed it for him by convincing Chris Rock to do a sit-down with him. Oh, my gosh. Because 60 Minutes had better ratings. Oh, and, my gosh. And he would do that to his son. And Ira said to him, Mike, why would you rip right. off your own kid? Yeah. And he said, oh, he'll get over it. And he Rosen begged him to reconsider. He said, well, you're... you're uh, 
you know, your son can speak at your funeral or you can do the profile of Chris Rock. And 15 minutes later, Mike Wallace called Ira back and said, I solved the problem. I gave the interview to Ed Bradley. (gasps) The father and son did not speak for nearly a year. But when Mike Wallace died in 2012 at 93 years old, Chris did uh, pay tribute to his father at his funeral. That's just so it sounds like kind of a Cut good, throat, but it's good, juicy. And the guy's name is Ira, Ira Rosen. Rosen. And What's the book the is book? Ticking Clock Behind the Scenes at 60 Minutes. So um, it sounds like a good book. There's already some juicy stuff coming out, and the book is out next week. Oh, that was a good vintage right. handle, We'll be right back with the rest of the stories. Oh, that song does not get old, does it? It's still so good. Love that song. Okay. Got to give everyone a TV alert for a show that dropped today on Netflix. And if you were, if you're a fan of American Horror Story and you watched, I think it was season five, it was called American Horror Story Hotel. Okay. Lady Gaga was in this one. And both Donnie and I dropped out of watching it because it was so disturbing, too disturbing for even us. But. Netflix, they have a a true crime series that debuted today. It's called Crime Scene, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. Oh, right. I've been reading all about yeah, this. Yeah, and every everything that Ryan Murphy did in American Horror Hotel is in it was basically taken from all these stories about the Cecil Hotel, which is a it's one of the oldest budget hotels in LA. It's okay. now called Stay on Main and it's affordable lodging to <laughs> tourists, travelers, and people in need of housing. Okay. And um, and what we're going to see in the vanishing of the Cecil Hotel, and people are freaking out about it, on February 1st, 2013, a guest by the name of Elisa Lamb mysteriously disappeared without a trace, joining all these bizarre happenings that took place at the hotel. And two years later, then right. Brian Murphy did American right. Horror Story. And it's been referred to as hotel death for nearly a hundred years. It's been linked to some of the city's most notorious activities from untimely deaths, mysterious deaths, to housing serial killers. Jeez. And it's got a very complex history. And it makes, I guess it's a fascinating and frightening lens to look at one of the most nefarious settings in L.A. And um, according to one newspaper account, the Cecil Hotel wrecked up at least 16 deaths since they opened in 1927. And in the 1930s alone, over a dozen people took their life there. And in the opening credits or the opening scenes, a hotel worker says, I don't think there's a room in this hotel where there hasn't been a death. Jeez. So, well, I'm looking where it is, Laurie. Yeah, bad things yep. keep happening at the hotel. Anyway, it was like trending on Twitter this morning, and people are very excited about watching this show. So if you're a crime series fan, this is your new show. Okay? I yeah, like it looks that. Like four episodes of about 50 minutes each or so. Yeah. So the vanishing at the CISO Hotel. Okay. And then... Oh, gosh. All right. You're probably not going to watch it. I won't. No. You know I won't. You won't. Um, I've got, you know, what do we have to watch? I've Big got a, Sky. Big Sky. I've got to finish Firefly Lane. I've got This Is Us. This Is Us to finish. Yeah. 
Big have, Sky was the kind Salt of Lake reunion is tonight. Part one. That's I've got the Australian Open. Boy, so many things to do. So little time. And what are you watching, watching Sitting Rocco? on my butt. Like I said, I've been kind of. You You're know, I've, I've been trying classics. to finish the Americans, and I've I don't know. I'm kind of at a, a pla- I kind of plateaued on it a little bit. So I've been watching old movies on Turner Classic. I'm, I'm dorking out because I, I got I had gotten away from movies. For a while, so have I, and, got, and just was only watching TV series. Right? So I'm like, you know what? Let's kind of return to watching full movies. Yeah, and so I'm enjoying it. All right, good. I might peek into Peaky Blinders too. Yeah, my kid wants me to catch up. Well, he loves. That. Here's a TV show that if you're a fan of, you know, period pieces or yes. historical uh, dramatizations, um, I, I think this was a very underrated epic show. It was only on. Two seasons. Casey and I absolutely loved it. It's called Rome. Yeah. I and always... James Purefoy is in it. And um, it's it's the fall of the Roman Republic and the birth of the Roman Empire. It starts with Caesar's bloody rise to power and it ends with the somewhat romantic demise of Antony and Cleopatra. Yeah. Oh, it's but you, Kevin McKeon. So that was is on HBO. It. It, uh, yeah, it's on HBO. Okay. And. Um, it it's it was really a good show. Mark Antony is played by James Purefoy, and um, it's just of course it's HBO, so there's some good sex, sex in and it. You're gonna say that I knew you were gonna say that. How <laughs> do know? I know? Kevin McKidd is that be- that fun doctor, the Scottish doctor from Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Okay, I've got. So a- that's kind of a All good right. one if you have HBO Max that you could uh, binge on. Yes, that's, that's definitely worth it. I well, saw today that HBO Max was going to do um, a pre, like a what do you call it, like a, a origin story of Velma from Scooby Doo. I saw that, and it's going to have the voice of Mindy oh, Kaling. Uh, yeah. Yes. That might be kind of fun. Is it going to be animated or is I, it going to be? I don't know. I didn't read enough. I read the okay. headline and then Same. I thought, oh, that's fun. All right. Because I just. And who doesn't want to know I haven't seen the Velma's. mystery van around St. Paul. Remember the mystery van that used to always drive? Oh, this yeah. Scooby Dooby Doo mystery van used to park on Marshall Avenue in St. Paul. I haven't seen that in years. It looks like it is going to be animated. It is. Yeah. But I forget course, it. I, it's got to be. I check well, out know, of animation. Yeah. Well, you know, like your Riverdale, they could have brought her to life. Oh, that's yeah. another one we should watch. There's, that's tonight. Really, seriously, though, I wish. I I saw this ad for this machine because literally you can sit on your butt 24-7, I feel like, except for going to work and maybe mm-hmm. a tennis fan. Mm-hmm. And you sit on your butt and you just move your feet on these pedals. <laughs> I mean, because seriously, there's so much TV. You know, well, Julia, there's Good not Lord. a lot, lot to, not a lot to do. By the way, Halle Berry is um, people are well, coming she, to oh, her yeah. defense oh, they are. about her. Um, making Clap comments back. about Gabriel Aubrey and how much child support she pays him, $16,000 a month, which is, uh, I did the math, $192,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Gabriel Aubrey, I mean, I think at Calvin Klein Underwear's or the big violent Thanksgiving Day fight he had with Olivia Martinez yes. in Halle Berry's driveway. Yes. But when she got, um, when that, judge made that because her daughter is now 13 she's 13 Nala, okay and she was making x-men money halle oh, berry okay and she would just like a two or three thousand dollar a month break because she's not making that kind right. of dough okay so that's why she just took to instagram and was saying you know over 10 years she's been paying it and it feels like extortion because you know 
She's well, relating to of, the dads out there. Think, been, I was just going to say, think of all the dads yeah. out there that have been paying. But she's still married to uh, Martinez. Wow. Yeah. Is she just not and getting divorced because they don't want to deal with the money? Or? Who, who knows? But she and uh, Gabriel Aubrey were in a custody battle, I feel, for yes, like five they were. years. They it, were. It went on a very long they time. Were, they really were. And Dr. Dre's estranged wife wants to know if he funded the lifestyles of any of his side pieces. She's still asking? She, well, because... I thought this came out already. He possibly has bought them apartments, Birkins, um... Couture clothing, I mean... Of course he has. Who knows uh, what's going to happen to some of these uh, side chicks, but she's looking for depositions. Moving right ahead. Okay, so I was with Dr. Dre. I'm going to raise my hand and (laughs) and tell you how much he spent on me. I don't think so. I don't think so. Everyone have a great night. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, If you want to listen to the replay, we did have a great chat with Kristen Hanna about her latest book, The Four Winds, and it's also posted if you want to just listen to that. You can podcast us anywhere at my touch. Job done. Off you go.